This episode is sponsored by MJ's Progress Not Perfection Meeting Center Association. We are in our meeting center where we do all these meetings for mental health and addiction. I can do this podcast anywhere. I can do this at home. I can do this in a closet. I can do this in a basement. It doesn't matter. All I need is somebody else to talk to about addiction and recovery. What I can't do from anywhere is help people with their addiction and their mental health problems. So if you can help out, you know, we do have a Venmo, we have a Cash App, we have a PayPal, we have an address you can send a check to. And, you know, all the money that gets donated goes towards rent, goes towards keeping the lights on, and goes towards keeping the internet on. So please, you know, if you can get five bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, it doesn't matter. Anything you can is so appreciated. If you are a local business, if you're a national business, whatever, and you want to be a part of what we're doing, you know, you can reach out to me and we can talk about how you can be a sponsor. But I'll let you get back to the episode. Welcome to the show, Adam. Glad to be here, brother. Thanks for having me on. So if I motivation, that's your shit, right? That's your page. Yeah, man, that, that would be it. Um, IFI motivation. Um, some say if I, some say iffy. I don't care what you call it, as long as you're you're checking it out and you're benefiting from it. Well, as um, soon as I as soon as I saw that, I was like, if I, if I, like if I do this, this will happen. If yes. I do that, is that is that what that is? Yes, cool, exactly. Cool. So initially cool. it started with um with a business I had in Florida. I'm from Florida, living in Georgia now. Um, I formed in faith industries and um uh the the uh, female I was with at the time actually came up with the acronym. So IFI as an if I, but yeah, that's exactly what it stands for, bro. If I keep working a program of recovery, um, sobriety will not be as hard as it was. If I talk better to my spouse, maybe just maybe we might not argue every day. If I don't get mad at my alarm clock, my day can be better, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's awesome, man. That's, that's the first thing when I read that and I was typing in your email address to send you the Skype link. I typed in if I, and I was like, oh, son of a bitch, if I did that, you know, and then it went right into my head if I did that. And I, I was like, I got to ask him about that, like just start, because I'm so curious about that. Yes. That's awesome. How long did you yes. start that page? How long ago? So I jumped off on YouTube January 1st, 2019 um, by myself. I I got rid of social completely um, before, I, before I got in trouble um, we'll for heroin that. charges yeah. in Florida. So, um, the first IFI page was YouTube, which was January of 19. Um, and then the rest of them were say a year, uh, about two years ago now. So I grew my YouTube channel first and I hit, uh, I set out to hit a mark, um, with nobody knowing what I was doing. Then I got on social and just pushed it. Cause I was out there. I was one of them ones, like everybody knew me in my, in my neck of the woods. Yeah. So I didn't want nobody to know me to see if this shit was really going to work. And then it started to scale itself. So I jumped back on everything social. Now you can find me on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, um, uh, Facebook group or Facebook business page and okay, cool. um, YouTube. Oh, that's awesome, man. And I'll put all the links below, too. So whether you're cool. listening, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening because it's on Apple and Spotify and all that, it'll be in the cool. description. Just click on it'll be title, whatever the link is. So, um, what's your sober date then, Adam? March 11th, 2016. 2016. So you spent a little time in recovery before you even got into making any kind of content then. Super duper long time in recovery, bro. I used to wake up, I did the four o'clock in the morning and listen to motivational videos because I had to get my brain piece right because I spent so long being mad at the alarm clock, not having an agenda present. So, dude, I sat and I listened to videos like i create like for, speaker ones like yeah, speaker man. tapes and shit yeah who's yeah, that bro. dude in cal 
Who's a dude in L.A.? Jimmy something? There, there's that dude in L.A. He has like an Irish accent. It's one of the best speaker tapes I've ever heard. I can't. It's been so long because I remember listening in rehab. But it was like the main dude we listened to was Jimmy something. He was some Irish dude. And there's so many, bro. Like, yeah. um, like T.D. Jakes, if you're into the um, scriptural stuff. I mean, Gary Vee's one of my best favorites. Eric Thomas. Even Tyrese Gibson from the damn Fast and the Furious movies has got a bunch of good stuff on YouTube, bro. That's awesome. Yeah, there's always a lot of good people out there doing that. And I always that's what I like the recovery community is finding, you know, none of us are, you know, like Tony Robbins. You know right. what I mean? We're just people that live this shit that just we're OK with talking about it and yeah, most, making other people uh, most of feel us better. Well, yeah, the ones that are talking, right, the ones that are right. putting out content every day. We're the ones that are talking because if if we're putting out a message, we just hope at least the one person hears it and they go, oh, that's me. Right. You know, like sometimes I get so caught up in numbers, dude, and I, I look at the analytics because we're addicts. Right. We're we're addicts <laughs> and we're addicted to more. And it didn't matter right. if it's drugs or whatever it is. If the numbers, we want that, that dopamine. We need that fix of hitting that number we set in a mark in our head. And when you don't hit it, sometimes you get deflated, right? You know, because real deflated. Yeah, just real life shit. And you're not numbing it with drugs anymore. And but then there's the little things like um I interviewed a girl in Ohio recently and she's got a nice following on TikTok, like twenty five thousand followers. Like she's killing cool. it on there with like recovery stuff. And um, you know, she still was apprehensive about sharing, you know, the video on her Facebook. Really? Where like her where her actual friends friends are people that know her know her twenty five thousand on TikTok I guarantee barely any know her you know but Facebook and Instagram a little different right. right right so she was really apprehensive because her story is raw man Ohio is crazy most of my stories come out of Ohio for some reason I'm doing a big panel coming up soon with like seven different Ohio girls at once wow that have all been on the show before and they're all returning together. Some of them were even trafficked together and haven't even talked to each other in sobriety. And it's been years, but they were trafficked wow. by the same people together. Wow. Um, so I, I was talking to her last night. She sent me a message like, I'm just so happy you do what you do, because without being so comfortable to open up and talk to you, I wouldn't have felt comfortable even sharing my story. And it took me a couple of days of watching it again to realize how therapeutic that was. And I didn't realize how comfortable I would be. And I just word vomited. But it was the best thing for me, and I appreciate that. I was like, yo, that message alone keeps me going for another six months with nobody listening or watching. All day, all day. You know, so, you know, so what you've been sober for five years then, but how long did you run for? Because you had some charges you mentioned. So I know that you weren't like in Florida, you know, people were not just going to Del Rey for sobriety. They were going, you know, there was another Ohio girl that was driving 22 hours with her husband seven times a month from Ohio to Florida to go to the pill mills. At one point they got a house they rented that they were fucking having an address. So, yo, <laughs> how was your upbringing, bro? <laughs> Florida story of my life. No, my, my upbringing was, my upbringing was a little on the crazy side. So my mom actually left me um, at a Salvation Army um, in Lakeland, Florida at the age of two years old. Um, she had my father basically went to work. This is the story that was provided to me. Keep in mind, my father went to work one day. My mom ran off with the boyfriend. She was on the way to, um, I want to say like Ohio or Indian, uh, Indiana, Indianapolis, I believe. And um, things weren't working out. I was like two years old. So she 
um, pulled over because I guess like it's a safe place. Like, you know, you can drop your it's baby at fire like stations the fire or, station or yeah, Sally's. Yeah. yeah. So she dumped, um, she dumped me off, uh, dropped me off at the Salvation Army. My family came back and got me. I, I lived with grandma for, I don't know, about nine years or so. Then come about 12 years old, um, the beginning of middle school, I, I went with my father and man, I pretty much got into it like real quick, real immediate, you know, dad was still out there. Dad, well, your, dad was your parents younger. I feel like um, your parents, my dad probably... was 23 and my mom was 19 yeah. when I was born. Oh, yeah. So if that oh, classifies, yeah. I would probably say that's yeah. on the younger yeah. side. So that means you guys are more like buddies now by the time you're a teenager and if your dad's gone and if your dad's like going, if he's out there and like getting loaded, then if you're a teenage son and you're around like only 20 years difference and you're impressionable, you end you end up getting into it too? Uh, sort of, kind of, not really so much. So one thing I realized when I was in addiction, it was all about me, 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 I, 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 right? I'm very self-centered and self-seeking, right? So basically my childhood was a little bit on the, on the shitty side, right? Like Christmases weren't really ever Christmas. It was something just to get you by. And there wasn't really a lot of love. I was, um, I always had to hear about how broke we were because we didn't have any money. And because I was the son that I cost all the money, like some serious trauma, bro, like some PTSD shit, the abandonment issues. I'm still dealing with it at tender age of 37 years old now, but it just skyrocketed my addiction. So like by 13, I was already a two time convicted felon in the state of Florida. I was all, um, by 14 or 15, I was already sent down the road. Um, already had almost a year in incarceration before the millennial, um, the 2000, the Y2K thing was going down. I already had served almost a year. So um, what as, were you, were you, was this for drugs related or is this for like getting in fights? What were you, what was going um, on, man? Um, the, the thing that sent me down the road, the furthest was armed burglary of a dwelling, um, grand theft of a firearm. I basically just broke in a house and just took everything that they had. You know, um, I was just really smoking weed at that time. And so it wasn't was, like a drug thing that was fueling you. Weed doesn't fuel you to break in and rob shit, you know. Nah. It, it was I, more teenage angst than just needing attention. You just took the words out of my mouth, right? Yeah. The attention you know, part. The lack, like, the lack of attention. Yeah. If anything, you're relaxing afterwards with the weed. You're not like right. getting high and going to do like I when I like a stand up, I used to tell a joke like weed was the always innocent bystander on cops. When you watch right. the show Cops, it was never, my husband just smoked a blunt, now he's hitting me. It's always, right. he's high or he's drunk and he's hitting me. Oh, yeah, there's weed right. here. You know, right. it's always, the, and it just happens to be there. <laughs> but right, <not> exactly. <laughs> so, you know, okay, so it's Teenage Angst. So what happens, like, I can see you going down. And then then you meet other people like you, right? And you're in there for a year. You make friends right. that way, not in school with the regular right. kids. Right, and that's really what propelled me because, you know, I got out, I, I, I got sent to the center of Florida um, and did six months. And then I had to do basically juvenile parole. And I got out to a, um, a level two program. They pick you up in a little van every day. They bring you to this program. You're hanging around a bunch of people that made bad decisions just like you. And that's what really introduced me to the game. Yeah, right? I always like, think of like sleepers, like they how they bonded in there. Like not sleepers, like what, what the guards were doing. Like you've seen that movie, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, not what the guards were doing. I always think of sleepers like you bond with the other criminals in there and you get your clicks and yeah, then you man. come out. You're either rehabilitated. You're the two you that got ain't. rehabilitated or you're the two that started the gang together. Right. So and that's what happened. They introduced me to the money. You know what I mean? Like, yep. I, I was I always heard how how much I cost and how much things cost and da, 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 the money driven from my dad. And I'm 
my homeboy introduced me to a bag of weed, say sixth or seventh grade and whatever it was when I, when I got back out and I'm like, and this was mid grades at the time. And I'm like, this is worth $40. This is worth $40. I'm slinging bubble gum for 50 cents a pack from the dollar store right now, doubling my 50 cent. And this is $40. So, and then it was just like, boom, dude, off to the races. And then, you know, um, finally, um, there was a lot of cocaine in Florida um, in the, 90, yeah. in the late nineties and early two thousands. And there's still a lot of cocaine in Florida, yeah. but when I was in it, I just got introduced to it. And then I went from, this is $40 to this is how much. And it, it just started blowing my mind. So then we started sniffing cocaine by 16. Um, I had a really good connect on ecstasy tablets. I was buying ecstasy. I was going to say that when I think of the two thousands and Florida, I, I've said this a hundred times on the show already. I don't care, but bad boys too. I always think of Bad Boys All 2. All day long. It was 2002 that movie came out, and Ecstasy was flowing through Miami, through the port. And so whenever I think of, like, drugs in that time, that's I, I always equate it to movies, and it's right to that, man. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was crazy, bro. I mean, 16 years old, we're all meeting up at a rave house. Somebody rented a house, and it was designed strictly for that. I mean, it's to the point where I got so much cash on me at the end of the day, bro. I'm like putting some in each shoe just in case somebody gets in my pocket. I'm, I got a Corona bag that I'm tying to the inside of my belt and, and putting by my, by my sack just to keep the money. It was, it was crazy, bro. And then it just progressed. Um, then it got real um, deep on the cocaine coming into 18, 19, 20, 21 years old. And then when my homeboy in Cape Coral, Florida, one time he's like, you ever heard of blues? I'm like, blues. And he's like, I'm like, nah. He's like, oh my God, bro. You got to try this shit. Mid 2000s. Your... Yeah. I, I would probably say it was like the mid 2000s if I had to guess. Right. Um, he's like, here, bro, here's a couple on the house. Here's your eight ball for a hundred or whatever the price was. Cause Coke prices were super cheap. Yeah. Here's your eight ball for a hundred and here's a couple blues. So when you got one line left, I want you to crush this thing up. I want you to sniff it and then enjoy your last line. And I want you to call me in the morning. And bro, I did it and I called him in the morning. I'm like, how much are those blues? What is that, bro? What did you give me? That was crazy, bro. How did I go from peeping out the window to eating cereal in less than an hour? That was incredible. Can I get some more of them? And then, bro, the shit show started, man. It was off to the races after that. Then, I mean, I didn't even, I didn't know nothing about the pills. I didn't know nothing about doctor shopping. I didn't know nothing about nothing. I just knew cocaine. You're in the mecca. You're in the yeah. mecca of all that. You're in the mecca. Like the coke was cheaper for you because it's you're you're coming. That's coming right to you first. Right and there. Barely, and first barely stop. cut. And barely cut. So that's why it's cheaper for you. Let's not forget that. And also right. the pills, they were like ten dollars a pop. Then those blues. I think because, they were eight. Okay. Yeah. Eight, yeah. Well, probably even cheaper because of the pill mills down there. It's crazy. So, you know, eventually they get up to a dollar milligram, two dollars, but whatever. But yeah, man, like I always think of um, I, I, I know I do this with movies a lot, but Wolf of Wall Street, you oh, know. Love, OK, so movie. Jonah Hill's character in that movie in real life, that guy, after he got out of jail for that shit, you know, and got whatever happened with that. He moved to Florida. He then started a pill mill in Florida. He ran a pill mill in Florida for years. So it's that that everyone knew that's where you made money. If you were a shady dude like the guy from Wolf of Wall Street, you knew you go to Florida and you start a pill mill. 
You know, oh, you just yeah. watch Dope Sick and you see the pill mills that they were showing in Dope Sick. You know, I West haven't Virginia. seen that yet, man. I want to watch so, that. Everybody's talking about it, bro. Yeah, it's worth I'm watching. Moving. Yeah, it's not triggering. You know, there's a little uh, one little instance where it could trigger for a second, but you you work your programs and talk about it, it's not going to trigger you. But yeah, like it, it's a really uh, it, a really good show. Really just nailed it every aspect of it, and it really showed a really big picture of how bad they fucked us. Right, and, and I'm not really lied. big into the whole trigger point thing, bro. Like, I get a lot of grief from people online about that, and I sort of kind of get it for us that are real super-duper early in recovery. Everything's a trigger point if you allow it to be, bro. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if I eat my ice cream with a spoon and stare at the spoon and be like, I used to heat that thing up, uh, I mean, it's a mindset. It's a mentality. No, it's development. And it's how you perceive it, and it's what you do with that information. So, like, yes. if you are triggered – like, you know, when I was triggered for a brief second, I said it out loud to my wife. I didn't hold it in my head. When you say it out loud, the trigger lets go. I have control of it. When you keep it in your head, then it's taking control and it's bouncing around your fucking head. And that's when our minds take over. And that's when we talk ourselves into some shit. Contemplation, man. Pre-contemplation yeah. leads to contemplation. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's all about just being self-aware and talking about the shit that's in your head. And not oh, yeah. keeping it all in here anymore. That's what we used to do. That's why you talk now. That's why we talk. Right. So to get it out, man. Yeah. So now, you know, you're introduced to pill mills. Did you get into doctor shopping really quickly? So believe it or not, I got into doctor shopping, but it was, it, I was, a, it was different for me. So I'm an HVAC technician. I've been doing heating, ventilation, and air conditioning forever plus a day. I've always made really good money because if you hustle hard in that, skilled trade air conditioning guys in florida they get paid right they gotta yeah. work hard but they get paid so i wasn't the one that was renting the van from enterprise and loading up the 16 people and bringing them to the uh pop-up semi that had fake mris to where everybody's just arching their back like this so that yeah. they could get a comp i never was that right i never had time to escape the relationship i was in for the time frame the duration it took so i was a little bit more the here's all the money do what you got to do, or here's half the money to get other people started. So people would have the dream that they want to go do this and they want to go take, I would fund it. I got right? you. And then come back and then get back to it. Or you were the guy on back. the couch. Like, like, no, 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 I'm going to sit and wait. I got stuff to do. I got a, I got a family or I got, you know, a wife or a girl that I, I got a bunch of shit going on. Right. Yeah. I got life stuff, but right. I want to be able to get high and stay high. So right. I'll just facilitate from behind the scenes. Yeah, and then it was crazy, bro. Everybody's coming back. Everybody skipped to the loo, my darling, happy, jumping jacks and shit in the front yard because they got a bunch. And then they get rich. Oh, we're going to sell them all. And then you got to buy them all back at the end of the month because you, you done you left. Now you got to spend gas, time, effort. You end up losing money every month trying to get them back. It was crazy, yeah, bro. Yeah, I, I ended up stopped selling them because when I was doctor shopping because what was the point? You know, because right. I end up, like you said, you sell these for – And then you're chasing them. And then, uh, yeah, I end up selling like, yeah, I'll sell you 10 for 200. And then next thing you know, like <laughs> I'm buying 10 for 300 two weeks later from somebody right. else because right. Cause, cause you they're not giving me a yet. deal. They're not my buddy. They're not giving me a deal. So I kept having, I eventually tell my buddies like, get me home fucking doctor. I'll hook you up. I'll be your oh, referral. Yeah. You know, because those doctors, you had to be a referral for people. You, It wasn't, they didn't di doctor referrals. It was referrals from other patients. You know? right. <laughs> like, yeah, man, he's cool. You know, right. as long as they pay the cash, it's cool. 
Yeah, the and, skeezy network. Uh huh. Yeah. So like, yeah. there was a bunch of people that I hooked up with my doctor. You know, after somebody else hooked me up with the doctor, it's so right. on and so forth. Right. Domino effect. Yep. Yeah, it's in a random house you wouldn't even know, and then you sit in a waiting room, and like you said, you sit around, and you're like, oh, I'm in the grips of hell. That waiting room, man. Look around. You know you're an addict when you're sitting in that waiting room, right? Dude, and them them boys would be gone. They'd be over there for like 12 hours, bro. How are you going to sit in a waiting room for 12 hours, man? You know what I'm saying? I didn't have time for that. I could make enough to fund the next trip because I was base pay or I was, yeah. excuse me, I was hourly pay plus commission. So I could. Yeah, I used to run a rotor rooter. I, yeah, I know. same thing. Yeah. So like. It was crazy, man. Them boys be coming back. Everybody would be super happy. And man, the amount of drugs that they used to write, dude, talk about that's what's got us. You know, that's what's got us where we're at now as a society, in my personal mm -hmm. opinion, is over prescribing, you know, everything, not just oxy, not just the pill mills. No, not at it's all. Over prescribing everything. It's, yeah, over -pres man. it's not enough meditation. It's not enough therapy, not enough support groups. You know, the basic mental health shit. work. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's, you know, that's why we started our place and we do the mental health meetings and we do trauma meetings and we do LGBTQ and we do AA, we do NA. That's awesome. Shit, we even do medical marijuana patient meetings, you know, uh -huh. like the whole ring of it, you know, and just to give people a place to go and talk to, you know, because I, I feel like that's the most important thing in my recovery is the communication. Like, you know, like I texted you this morning, no one came to AA, but it right. doesn't matter because this is my meeting for the day. Oh, you yeah. Know? Mine too, brother. Yeah. <laughs> I do this every day. I talk to people like this and like, oh, that was a good meeting. I needed that. Like, you know, just two alcoholics. And sometimes there's only one person that shows up and we have this same kind of meeting where we just sit down and just talk back and forth. And it's the fucking best, man. Yeah. Um, man. So you're run, you're you're doing that. There's no chance of sobriety in your future at this point when they're you know you're doing this, you know, and your girl has no idea that you're getting high with because thirties are easy to hide if you're functioning with a job. Yeah, they are unless you're doing like a hundred of them a week. You know, you're getting a fifty pack Monday to Thursday and a fifty pack for Friday, and Saturday, and Sunday, which is where <laughs> I was at at the point. And I yeah. remember, so <clears throat> she used to always warn me. So we snorting got snorting the entire time, right? We're eating. No, I hadn't graduated to the needle. I can lead into no, that. no that's, snorting, that's... snorting or eating. You can eat like, them things. Well, I swallow. You can swallow them things. <laughs> <laughs> the first time you can. Yeah, and then, no, and then, once, never. then once somebody tells you about breaking it, there is yeah, no going no. back. There is once you break it, there is no going yeah, back. Yeah, it went. So it went the straw the tin foil and the needle in that order. But let me get back to the first question and I'll go into that one. Yeah. She knew clearly, what are you on? I mean, her dad had the eighties at the time, the ones that you could peel off the thing before they went to OPs and you had to put them, mix them with apple juice and vinegar and all that shit to break them down, quote unquote, even though you couldn't. You um, so I would just snort them, snort them, snort them. We ended up getting pregnant and she warned my ass, bro. JD, she warned me, bro, for like, the whole time she was pregnant, bro, she's like, you got to get off that shit because when the baby comes, I'm not dealing with that. I'm not dealing with that. I'm not dealing with that. Well, in air conditioning, November, December, January in Florida, the workload goes down. So the money goes down, right? So the addiction went up and the money went down. Things got crazy. And long story short, we just called it quits. But then I seen this documentary. So I move out. I move, you know, the baby's born. I moved 10 miles away from where I was at so I could still 
go back and forth. And I watched this documentary about this dude in Florida and he's smoking these things. He's putting the 30s on tinfoil and he's chasing the dragon. I'm like, you can smoke these things? Oh, shit, I got to try this. And then, dude, boom. And then once I started, bro, I never picked the straw back up. So now I'm like detoxing, withdrawn, going through the stages, fighting with her, about to lose custody of the kid. I go to her uncle, baby mama's uncle. Baby mama's uncle is a Lee County Sheriff's officer in Fort Myers, Florida. And I go to him and I'm like, uncle, whatever his name was, right? Uncle, I'm dealing with the pills. Da, 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 da. You know what this dude told me, JD? He says, you don't have an addiction problem. You have a spiritual problem. I'm like, what? Because that didn't, that didn't make no sense. I, I, I'd only been a spiritual kind of guy for the last year and a half, two years now since yeah. I've um, been with Jamie. But I'm like, what? And he, and he tells me, Adam, if you do not get your shit together, if you do not get your act together, you'll have a needle in your arm in less than a year. And I'm sitting here like, what? Who are you to tell me that, bro? And this dude's a cop. He's a narcotics officer with a population of a million people in the county at the time. So he knew what he was talking about. And then, bro, lo and behold, man, before you knew it, I seen somebody shooting up in my driveway after I just served him. I'm like, oh, my God, dude, you're a junkie. I said this to myself, clearly. Oh, my God, you're a junkie. I just put them in straws and tinfoil and you're cooking them in the spoon. You're you're fucked up, man. And then, bro, within no time, man, my homeboy, I come I went by one of the spots or like, you ever shot these things here, man? Try this. And he just and it just floored me. I was out for like six hours, just couldn't even move. Uh, and I came to, and just like when I had called my homeboy the next day after sniffing that Coke and sniffing that first one, I said, bro, what was that? Oh my God. And then dude, it just manifested from there. Yep. And I, and that's how it happens. And, I, and that's, you know, honestly, I'm glad I didn't know that you could smoke blues until I got the rehab because I, w- I would have done that. So like, I didn't want to ever shoot. And I knew you could do that, but I didn't want to because I was I loved snorting so much that I was I was addicted to snorting just as much as I was to the pill. Right. Like, to the point where I, you know, never shot anything. I never even did heroin in ten years because I loved sniffing thirties so much and blue like, you know, Roxy's thirties, you know, whatever you want to call them. We called them Johns in Philly, uh, but blues, they right. that's what I love snorting. So when you say you put him in a straw, did you mean like, cause like I used to, not many people did the same thing I used to do. I used to shove them inside the straws. Right. And like, then you buy them. A, yeah. Yeah. I used to do that because I could be doing it while driving. Correct. I used to, I used to drive a lot to get them. So me, I would have me, to be doing too. it while driving. So would you ever have it spill on you? The blues, no. Once I got on the needle, I've had like us going around a corner and the spoon spill into the nasty ass uh, top of the Toyota, and I'm like sucking it like all nasty and with armpit hair oh. or arm hair <laughs> yeah. and shit on there because I was hurt. But nah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, don't get me wrong, bro. I've slammed the door on the car, boom, and that shit catapult. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I've had it spill one time on me, dude. And I, I had just. I, I was lucky. I was cool with my dealer, right? So he needed a ride to get his car from the um, shop when I got to his place to pick him up. Uh-huh. And he's like, hey, can you give me a ride real fast? Like, you're going that direction. And I got to get my car. I'm like, yeah, it's fine. He gets in with me. And I'm like, I had just driven two hours to see this dude. That's what I used to do four times a week was drive two hours to see this dude. 
So I'm like, I'd been sitting in Philly traffic, just literally throwing up bile into a bag of the entire ride, like sick. And he gives me two. It's all I could afford at the time. Put them right into the straw. I'm biting it. I'm getting ready. Hit a fucking pothole. And it all goes, all the dust on my lap. And yeah, he goes, bro. Yeah, he was like, bro, if I wasn't in the car, I wouldn't have believed you here. And he handed me two more. And I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, he, he wasn't, he didn't do them ever. He just sold them. So, like, he was more, like, empathetic, I guess. Because, Compassionate, like, yeah. Yeah, like, you know, mani- I manipulated the fuck out of him, obviously. Sure. You know, We're master we manipulators. Do. Yeah. So, yeah, I just was curious when you said put him in a stroll because not many people did that. Or, like, when I tell them that's how I did them, they're like, you could do them that way. I'm like. Yeah, that's how I did him in bed. I would lay him beside him in bed and do it that way. Yeah, that's man, how I got. That's how I lose, got. Out, that's how I got out none. of bed. Yeah. Yeah, you ain't gonna lose none, especially like the activists and certain ones. You know, um, you know, they'd you'd lose, you'd have residual. You know, which they claim was the cut anyway, but it's a mental thing for me. So nah, man. Circle yep. K straw folded in half and and game yeah, over. Yeah, Circle man. K McDonald's or Wawa for me. The the big the big thick ones, yeah. Yeah, I used to we call them heist the straws. We would go into McDonald's or Wawa and take a handful of straws. Like you guys have Wawa's down there, right? Yeah, yeah, in Florida yeah, they, we do. Um, I yeah. haven't seen too many um in Georgia just yet. Where we're Oh, at. that's right. You're in Georgia Georgia now, but yeah, Florida you guys definitely do. But yeah, that's Oh yeah. They have the bigger ones down there. Um, but oh, that's yeah. what I, you always knew where the bigger straws were. <laughs> it's oh, so yeah. weird. The shit, the information like I knew which pharmacies had which brands, you know, oh, yeah. like the shit that we knew, the useless information that, you know, it's that just... occupied space in our. So this, so this uncle, let's we'll jump back. The uncle now he says this shit to you, and then you start getting into shooting and everything like that within a year, just like he predicted. Yeah. Um, and you're living on your own at this point because your girl doesn't want you around the kid. Yeah, I I was in transition, so I had a house. I was just about to lose it and go move with a buddy at that point, yeah. So what happened next? Um, Basically, I just – the addiction spiraled, man. Once I got on the needle, man, it was like – it was game over. I mean, I still, I still held a job for a little while, and then before you know it, dude, within like a year or so, I had diminished every asset. I had liquidated every asset. I sold anything that was worth money, pawned everything that was sort of kind of worth money. And um, I ended up moving in with, uh, he's like my brother. He, he's, he, he's passed away now from a fentanyl overdose, but my, my brother, Robbie, and uh, I had stayed with them on and off. Anytime that I got in a jam, the door was always open. It was him and his mom. Um, and he was like my brother. So they just like welcomed me in. So by then now I'm living with my buddy and his mom in their spare room. That's just slapped full of stuff. You know, it was like a storage for them and you could open the door and my bed was right here. No mattress or just the mattress, no box spring headboard. And I just stayed slumming and bumming dude for like 10 years, man. I used to work the phone, dude. I would wake up every single morning and we would, we call it pulling rabbits. You pull, pull a rabbit out of the hat, create some magic. I would work this phone. Hey man, do you need anything? Cause I was always the dude that had the connection. Me right? too. Yeah. And if you wanted to do something, well, you know how Pay this me works, a little extra. right? Yeah. Yeah, man. I've worked for commission. I've worked for commission my whole entire life, bro. You got to break me off yeah. some way somehow. Or I could go in there and if I could get enough orders, I could get six for the six or seven for the hundred. I could get, 
You know what I mean? That's a, I used to drive two hours for those orders. I would be waking up in Lancaster County, two hours from South Jersey, calling everybody I know in South Jersey that, that does them. That you need anything today? You need anything today? Hey, I'll be there around 12. Are you going to need anything? And then I would go. I would see my dude. I would get the amount that I needed. I had his bank account number. So once I collected all the cash, I would just go over to his bank and deposit the cash right. straight in his account. So right. I wouldn't have to go back to see him again to double back. So I was driving back to Lancaster again. It would be a, I would bring my dog with me, bro. It would be a, a trip. And she loved it. She was sitting in the back. She loved the people watch. I would let Every her out day. There. Four days a week. Four days a week. For three for my last three years of my addiction. Yeah. Damn, I was getting bro. him different dealers because I couldn't come down all the time. I was running the I was running that plumbing business at the same time. Like I was doing seventy hours a week with the plumbing business on top of doing that four days a week. That's crazy. Yeah. Never stopping. That that was the point. Was I, I ran that with my dad and my brother. And I felt so guilty about that four days a week, what I was doing, that I felt like I had to overcompensate and and work so hard to take responsibility and relief off them. So I would be like, oh, I'll take the overnight calls. Oh, I'll do this or I'll do that. I'll be the overnight manager the weekends. Oh, I'll take the on-call manager there. And just so they right. wouldn't have to, because I would be awake getting high anyway in the middle of the night. I'll take that phone call. Why not? It's helping my dad and brother relax when I stress them out all the time as this being a drug addict. Right. So that was my, yeah, you know, it was my way of like, you know, penance, you know, my way of trying to make it up to them shit. So I've apologized and I do living amends now and I don't just try to like overwork myself to make those amends now. You know, I just don't get high anymore, which is good. Right. (laughs) Which is way better. They appreciate that, which is good. (laughs) Yeah. So 10 years, you're just going, man. Like there's, are you getting arrested? Not really, bro. I mean, I'm just straight junkie status. So I, I, I used to be, I used to, I just stayed slick. Right. And I just never got jammed up. And for like, so I, I got in a car accident and I had financial responsibility to retrieve my Florida driver's license. So I'm like, you know what? I'm, I, I don't need a driver's license. I don't have a car. So what do I need a driver's license for? So bro, I went 10 or 12 years, man, no car, no driver's license. I would make everybody pick me pick up. You up. Just, oh, you want me to want me to get you shit? Pick me up, man. I'll get you shit. You gotta pick me up. Yeah, man. And see, I'm from the east side of Fort Myers, so everything's a little bit on the compacted side. Like everything's real close. We don't we don't really go 20 miles this way because that's a long drive. Yeah. And I then just you. everything was on our side, man. So I just stayed on the east side, man, and just destroyed my life bro i mean shooting dilated smoking crack cocaine shooting cocaine um i just stayed i just stayed horrible bro like it got to the point i i i I gotta find these pictures i used to have my hair braided i used to have cornrows because on friday i would post up with the boys the boys would give me some work and i would just stay out there and i would work with them and then i would keep what was left kind of thing and um I just, it was horrible, man. And then I ended like, up getting like that up. hair, like James Franco and Spring Breakers. Yeah, bro. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like the and then I got, dreads. I got arrested. They pulled it out. It was out to here, dog. So I'm like, I'm in jail with an afro. I had a pillow on my head. I couldn't wait to get a hold of the shaver, bro. Because when I was out there in them streets, I thought I looked cool, right? And then I get in jail, and I'm finally coming through it, and I'm look like, like oh. sideshow, look like sideshow Bob. Yeah, bro. Krusty the Clown, if he had one big fro. Yeah, man. It was crazy. <laughs> so when you did get arrested, you said it was felony charges? Yeah, so we're bobbing and weaving through traffic. I'm on the way to go get my hair done. It's a Friday. I just got a little bit paid. 
and um my the cops are behind my buddy he's driving i just picked up 10 subs 10 suboxone from him because i was gonna quit yet i'm trading suboxone two for one for bags of dope when i'm sick and i'm like um my homeboy mike and i'm like mike dog you gotta stop bobbing and weaving through traffic and dude they lit us up and i had just shot a bag um before that and dude i was so high from the from the from the dope that i just injected on the other side of the interstate that i left the a instead of swallowing the bags the full bags i swallowed the empty bags and b i left the water pistol i threw the spoon out the window and i left the water pistol on the floor so i'm like closing my eyes dude i'm pretty i don't even have a higher power at this time but i'm praying to my higher power so i'm like Buddha, Allah, Jesus, karma, yin and yang. Somebody get me out of this. Somebody help me. Somebody help me. And then boom, bro. I felt the hands of my higher power to come and get me. And I opened my eyes, bro. And it was the fucking cops. They were jamming me up out the window. They seen the um, paraphernalia on the, on the ground and it was game over, dude. It was game over. There's no questions. There's no nothing. So they pulled me out of the car, stripped me down or searched me, I mean, and found everything. And uh, that's what started my sobriety, man. That was March 11th, 2016, bro. Yo, yo, was it, were you in jail and like being like, am I going to shit out a bag of dope and get high in jail? And then just an empty bag came out and you're like, fuck. <laughs> no, dude, I didn't, I didn't take a dump for like 30 well, or 40 days. I can believe that. Like I was so full of trays and so full of horribleness. Like it was, it was miserable. It was it was to the point it was so miserable. It's looking back now, it's exactly what I needed. So I get yeah. downtown for a day or two. Then they move us to the main building, which is a little bit more on the east side where I'm from. And like the mat they give me, somebody just had got sprayed a couple of days before. So I'm detoxing off of heroin, laying on a mat with oil-based mace on it. It was misery, bro. Didn't use the bathroom. Uh, the the toilets are sounding like jets. They're, everybody's taking a piss 50 times a night. Everybody's in slides. Clack, 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 clack whoosh clack 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 dude talk about some insomnia restless legs um withdrawal symptoms dude i went through the most miserable time ever but that's and they're exactly not giving you shit needed. they're not giving you nothing shit. water they don't care they don't water because you're not gonna die this episode is sponsored by mj's progress not perfection meeting center association we are in our meeting center where we do all these meetings for mental health and addiction i can do this podcast anywhere i can do this at home i can do this in a closet i can do this in a basement it doesn't matter all i need is somebody else to talk to about addiction and recovery what i can't do from anywhere is help people with their addiction and their mental health problems. So if you can help out, you know, we do have a Venmo, we have a Cash App, we have a PayPal, we have an address you can send a check to. And, you know, all the money that gets donated goes towards rent, goes towards keeping the lights on, and goes towards keeping the internet on. So please, you know, if you can get five bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, it doesn't matter. Anything you can is so appreciated. And if you are a local business, if you're a national business, whatever, and you want to be a part of what we're doing, you know, you can reach out to me and we can talk about how you can be a sponsor. But I'll let you get back to the episode. Correct. You know, you feel and, like and, it. Yeah, but you're not. And, uh, you know, um, the, the actual, you know, the trick is, is to tell them you're an alcoholic, though. If you tell like any hospital or jail that you're an alcoholic or you're detoxing benzos, they're immediately going to treat you because you could die. So, right. you know say you're an alcoholic if you if you do get jammed up you're listening to this and you're you know in it still 
and you go to jail, tell them you're an alcoholic and you drink too much and you're afraid of the tremors and the detox and what's going to happen. And they will hook you up and make you more comfortable because you could die from alcohol, but you will not die from opiates. Sorry to tell you. You will feel (laughs) like you are going to die. Yeah, but they don't give a shit. <laughs> but nah, drink water, man. Drink yeah. water, bro. You're dehydrated. You'll be all right. You'll be all right. Can't take a dump. You're dehydrated. Restless legs. You're dehydrated. Can't sleep. You're dehydrated. Eat a banana. Yeah. <laughs> Eat a banana. And the pissing thing, it's because you haven't pissed. Like opiates, like keep us all like. And then all of a sudden, you're not doing opiates every day, so you're pissing a hundred times a day because you have so much. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah. It was miserable, man. It was miserable. It's yeah. exactly How long what did I needed to do. How long did you have to do in there? Bro, believe it or not, I didn't have to do that long, man. I ended up uh, only doing uh, 69 days. Um, the public pretender hit me up on the jailhouse Skype phone and gave me two offers um, like a day or two before court. Um, in Florida, you got to do 85% of your time. So the first offer was, um, which was was 90 days, which I was real fortunate because I just finished three years paper for um, discharging a firearm into an occupied vehicle from poor decisions a couple years before, not drug related. Um, so they offered me 90 days credit for time served and straight release, which would have only gave me another week in incarceration. They would have let me out scot-free or they offered me a year paper, all these contingencies, fines out, out the wazoo and just all this stuff to do, right? And dude, I gladly took the one year paper because I knew myself at that point in time in the game. I had 69 days sober. The, my homeboy, because everybody knew me, were from that side of town. I seen a bunch of people I was locked up with. My homeboy, Dustin, um, gets out and he's dead. He goes to the same spot that I was messing with. My dad, because you got JPay, you can text on the, on, the, on the thing, you know, messages. Mm. It's like a quarter each way or something. My dad hits me up on text message through the, through the um, jailhouse text system and was like, Donald's dead, bro. And I just seen Donald getting released. We were in the tents. I got moved to low security. Donald was across the way, bro, and Donald was dead, man. So I took the I took the one year paper, man. I took the one year paper. I knew that I knew myself, and I knew that my ass needed some structure out there because I had lived an unstructured life for so long. The implementation of structure was vile, viable you, to myself. Were you hitting H and I in there? What's H and I? Um, hospitals and institutions when NA or AA brings meetings into jails. Oh yeah. Were you yeah, hitting those yeah, meetings? Yeah. Okay, cool. Everything I could get, bro. I was reading books. I was, I was reading the Bible. Um, I was reading breathing techniques, dude. I was consuming. I've always been gifted, right? Even when I was a little kid, I was deemed gifted. I got a Humpty Dumpty size head, right? Maybe because it's extra brain space. I got an extra terabyte or something up there. Um, but I've always been really big on education, except for when I'm drug, like you said, Malincrots are 27 milligrams and the V cuts, are, you know what I mean? Like just yeah. stupid, stupidness. So dude, I just educated myself. I hit every single meeting in there that I possibly could. Um, I, I tested to get my GED. Um, um, I got, I got checked for all the cooties, you know what I mean? Like I did every, yeah. anything and everything that I could do. I did. When I was and that, in, that intelligence thing, you know, I think, and I've talked to a lot of addicts on the show, you know, I've had like 70 episodes now recorded or out, uh-huh. whatever. A lot of us are, and it's almost like my grandma used to always say to me, you're too smart for your own good. Yes. You know, we can't get out of our own way. We yes. overanalyze things and you overanalyze and then you, you reanalyze and then you find different solutions and then you get, okay, well, should I do that? And then, you know, 
it's we can overthink shit and we can that's what happens to ourselves when our brain rewires from the drugs because it literally does rewire so between the rewiring of the brain from the habit on top of the way that we process information it's just (laughs) we are we can't get out of our own way you know that's you know i talk to an old timer all the time here he comes to the aa in the morning and he always says i never quit anything I never quit smoking cigarettes. I never quit drugs. I never quit drinking. I stopped. Do? I stopped starting. I love it. He I didn't know. How, he doesn't know how to quit, but he knows how to stop starting. So he hasn't had a drink in over thirty years, or a drug, or cigarettes in twenty some years, because he stopped starting again. But when he starts, he doesn't know how to quit. He just right. knows how to stop restarting once he does get a stop. You know, you get it. No, I'm but with it, him. I love it. Yeah, I, that's why I said I'm like, oh, shit, that makes so much sense to me. I love that shit. So, you know, everyone has their own way. So now you get out, you know, 70 days or whatever, and you're like, I'll take the year. That was a probation where they drug test you and shit. Like a yeah, probation, court. classes, fines, just a whole bunch of stuff. And then you got into program work after that. Where'd you go to stay? Say it one more time. Where where they when you got released did you go to a halfway house or something? No, I went back to the I went back to the bedroom to where you opened the door and you know my mattress was there with all my dirty ass clothes on it and um it was crazy it was crazy JD you know I called was your buddy time. still getting high when you got out that you were living with? No, he had violated probation for pissing hot for cocaine. My brother he had mm-hmm. pissed hot for cocaine. And um, I'm probably going to sneeze here in a second, just so you know. He um, he ended up pissing hot for cocaine, and um, he actually was in there with me in jail. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it was my bi- an old business partner, my buddy, and my brother all in the same dorm the day I got released because everybody was out there and making bad decisions. And um, I forgot and, the question, man. And, like, and like you said – but like you said <laughs> – his mom always had the door open for you. Yeah, so, yeah, that's right. So, so, so you I get out, you get out, and you go back to that house since that room's still open for you. Yeah, so I get out after doing the sixty-nine days, and I return, and I'm—I call this the time capsule effect. Like, I am changing, and I am different. Yet everything around me has remained the same, right? So I'm seeing things differently. I'm like, I walk in, and I'm like, don't get me wrong, I'm grateful and thankful for the things that I had at that point in time. But I'm walking and I'm like looking around and I'm like, oh my God, dude, this is what I've turned my life into. I don't have anything. I'm living in my homeboy's spare bedroom on a dirty ass bed. All my clothes are dirty. All my stuff is just hand me down. My boys used to give me shoes by the end of it because my shoes were all like jammed up like it was a rude awakening, I guess is the best adjective that I can use to describe it. It's like you're looking at your room sober for the first time, right? Bro. First time ever, bro. First time ever. And it was like, I can't believe I diminished myself to this at like when I was in jail, I didn't realize I was an addict. You know what I mean? And I get out and I seen what I turned my life into dude, my heart hit the ground, bro. Like I was, I was somewhere between like really sad and really pissed off at myself that you're like 32 years old then 31, yeah. 32. Yeah. 31 at the time. Yeah. That's how old yeah. I was. I went through recovery. I was 31 and a half. And... Yeah, man. And I just, dude, I was, I was mad at myself, bro. I'd never, I had never felt 
felt well for, first and foremost i had never felt anything right because we're so numb from from good drugs yeah you know but like real feelings and, and real vision and real clarity boy clarity is something else when you once you go ahead and grab a hold of it and dude i'm just looking around bro and i'm just i'm just pissed at myself but i'll I, i'll never forget it mom was on vacation she's my mama she didn't birth me you know how that works right it was destroyed there wasn't a bunch of food in there dude i go in the pantry i'm like oh my God, real peas. And like, I was just so happy coming from jail food. And I open the freezer door. I go to grab the freezer door and I yank it open and I look inside there, bro. And what's in there? A liter of gray, gray goose. And I shut it real quick. And I call my uncle, which is her brother. Uncle Steve, you got to come get this, bro. Uncle Steve came by the next day and grabbed it. And dude, that just started it, man. I was I started waking up early. I started exercising every single day. I got out of jail skinny as a bean pole. I was 194 pounds at six foot four um, and just just ate up with the dumbness, man. And I just I just hustled hard, man. I, I exercised twice a day. I didn't have I didn't have a car, a job, a phone and nothing. So what am I going to do other than exercise? And dude, I just kept putting on strength, putting on strength, man. Yeah. So you have to take your time. You have to be patient. You have to trust that you're doing the right thing every day. And you're not doing the, the wrong process. thing. Yeah, yeah, just, you know, just know that doing different things is good right now. That, you know, change of scenery, change of actions, change of anything. You know, life doesn't get better by chance. It gets better by change. You know yes. what I mean? You know a good and, saying I heard? When you change, when you start changing the things around you, the things around you will begin to change. I'll say it again for the listeners. When you change the things around you, the things around you will change. So yeah. like I had to change my place of residence. I had to change the way I walked, talked, thought, spoke, gratitude lists, gratitude. What's that? When you're grateful, grateful for what? And then you just had to dive into stuff like that. Did I, I always joke about I didn't know people said the word grateful besides on Thanksgiving until I got sober. <laughs> I didn't know that people said that all year round and shit like yeah, every man. day. Like what? Every day you want me to say I'm grateful for something? Yeah, man. <laughs> or, or, or a couple things, you know, you got to change that's... who you're talking to, too. You know what I mean? Like if you're like, you know, I smoke cigarettes. So like I'll, I'll be smoking a cigarette outside of my meeting center and, you know, if I see somebody walking by that definitely is on some meth, I'm not going to be like, hey, what's up, buddy, as they're walking by. How you doing? But when right. I see, like, the guy walking by with the dog, you know, before I wouldn't have talked to that regular person with the doggy because I wouldn't have want them to see how high I was. Right. Shame and I, I, I would be, like, hidden in the back in the alley smoking a cigarette so no one would ever see me. But now, like, this morning, I got, like, the best start to my morning because I was on FaceTime with my wife when I was outside and all of a sudden, this little three-month-old puppy, little mutt, little white fairy thing just wanted all the love and attention. And his owner was letting me pet him. So I'm just like giving him all the love. And it's like, you know, that kind of shit. You don't have those kind of moments in addiction because you're so ashamed and guilt-ridden. And you don't love yourself. So why would anybody else even want to talk or look at you? Right. So you don't you don't talk to strangers like that. You don't, you know, do that because, like, what if they rat me out? Who would if they're a cop? All that stupid shit. You just Trust only talk shoes. to sh yeah, but now I can say, oh, my God, what kind of dog is that? What's his name? You know, can right. I pet him and have right. a conversation with the person, some stranger for five minutes and have a cool little connection and have that puppy wag his tail and get to give it some love because my cats fucking hate me. So I get to have a 
a dog that loves me once a day. And everybody <laughs> walks away, including the animal, feeling better than than when they walked up. You know what I mean? It's it's the it's the sharing of joy kind of thing. And it's yeah. not that thing either of like, oh my God, is she walking right away right now saying how high I am? Did she right. notice how dilated my pupils are? Did right. she notice how much I was sweating? You know, all that thing too, because you get you get stuck in those situations and addiction too that you don't want to be in. And then this, then it ends and you're like, oh my God. And you start replaying everything. Did they know this? Did they know that? Did they know this? And then you get high over it again, you know, because you're so in your head about it. Like, oh yeah. Little joys of recovery that you don't know that you get until you find yourself in that moment, but you can't get in that moment unless you put yourself, like you said, into different situations. Oh yeah. You got to change everything, man. Like, um, uh, some people what, don't. What do they say? Them. What do they say? They say you don't got to change one thing. You got to change everything. Everything, and that's so <laughs> true. That's so yeah. true, bro. Like I didn't embrace it, but that's so true. You literally got to change everything. Now you can return to a couple things as long as it's not going to screw you up. But hypothetically, you want to change everything. Yep. And I was, you know, when I, when especially when you want to do this, when you want to be in recovery wholeheartedly, you're, right? You're more, you know, not need to the the one. Want to. You know, yeah, because then that then you're driven by yourself and not by anybody else. Because like, you know, I was the opposite drug addict. You know, where I was not rail thin. I was you know 340. You know, putting on weight. You know, skipping like just adding on weight. So when I got out there, I was started walking every day in LA. You know, I lost like 70 pounds in like two months. Wow. Just from eating healthy and walking every day and just like awesome. playing, you know, playing horse. Not even full court basketball. Just playing horse. Uh-huh. You know, just just being active, right? And just like eating right, and just being cognizant of you know not drinking soda and not drinking sugar and all that stupid shit. Just doing things the way that you should be, and then your mind feels better. Then you feel more confident, and then you oh, go yeah. to meetings and you're okay with sharing in these meetings because you're not worried about how you look and how people are perceiving you because you know you don't look <laughs> like a drug addict anymore. You know you don't look high. You know you look a lot better than you did two months ago. Oh, yeah. I think that first 90 is so important. And, you know, finding yourself and finding a way to get on the pink cloud in the first 90. Right. Because it's not going to last. Spoiler alert. That pink cloud, that should burst. Never last. Six months. Ever. I give it six months, you know. But it's nice when you're on it and it'll keep. And if you enjoy it for the six months, it can keep you sober for another two years. But, you know, enjoy the pink cloud while you got it. Hey, can, I show you, can I show yeah. you a picture? Yeah. Look at that hair. Dude. You look fucked up. <laughs> Is that from your mugshot? That's that's my mugshot, yeah. That's okay. one of them. I'm I'll, trying I'll, to while we chat, I'm trying to find you the picture of the braids. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh and definitely and you can send them to me too, and then I'll pop that up on the screen. I will. I would. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'll have this way earlier on when you're talking about it, I can just have it like go across the screen. Perfect. Yeah. So even if you find it later, just send it on off to me because I'll be editing later on today and tomorrow. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'll send you a bunch of different stuff then. Like one time, I went from that to that. You know, they put me on the news for the YouTube movement and stuff. I'll send you a bunch of good photography attached. All right, cool. Yeah. I'll try my best to get as much in there as possible. You know how it is. You know how the editing process can go. Some days you're, you know, it's funny, you know, making content now, 
is keeping me sober, right? Because not Without just the doubt. meetings, not just the meetings, it's the, the telling the stories, it's the talking about it, people, you know, these kind of conversations. And like we were saying before we even started recording, you know, with, you know, how I love to promote things and like find cool clips. Like that shit keeps me sober. It just being active in your recovery. Oh, yeah. Yep. Same here. You know, that's something I just love about it, you know, and I, I basically I still work full time, but um, it's something that I thoroughly enjoy. And then, of course, the wife, you know, that's how me and Jamie actually ended up getting together was on behalf of the content. We're married now. So I help her with hers and I do mine and it's, it's just been really cool. Like, like, for example, you know, I just bought, I just bought a new camera and a new, and a new microphone. Like, dude, the, the, the old school Adam would have pawned that shit day one, bro. Oh, you spent 1200 on it. Give me like 350, bro. Come on, man. Give me 300. They would have offered me 150 for something that cost me 1200 and I would have gladly did it kind of thing. Yeah, you know? this is uh, this is my studio because I got two other mics over there. Oh, man, I love it. So, you know, and I got this third mic here and I got like and you're right. The old JD, this shit would have been gone, man, you know, and now I can have, you know, four people in here on a podcast because I do have another one over there and. We can sit in, we can chat. You know, I'm going to have three of us on this week with my wife and a friend of ours that runs the United Way in recovery thing around here. Cool. She's been on the show back in September. And yeah, like it's just, it's like a hobby. Even if it does, I'm not trying to make any money with this. I'm trying to raise awareness. You know what I mean? I'm trying to get attention to just being okay with not being okay. Sharing you the know? message, man. Yeah, this isn't making me any money. You know, I think my podcast, let's see, my podcast has been up since July. So this will be funny. The show July people, of July of last year or this no, year? No, no, July July of 2021. I've uh 591. <laughs> you know, I don't make money on this, you know. It's right. not like this isn't for making money. This is, you know, because I love to do this. This keeps me sober. This is like my hobby that keeps me sober. Oh yeah, know? mine too. Just like I said, this is my medium for the day. So even when if I don't talk to anybody else today, you know, if I don't have anybody at the trauma meeting tonight or whatever, which usually there is, you know, trauma everywhere, but there's usually a bunch of trauma and it's always a good meeting. But even if there's not, I already feel good about my day because I got to sit down and talk to somebody else. Right. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's what's important to me. That's the kind of making that kind of networking all across the world in recovery. You know, I had a girl from UK on the other day from Scotland. There's been Australia a couple of times. Like Canada. I was in South Africa yesterday. You were in like on a thing on a, on a podcast out of South Africa yesterday. Yeah, man. That's what it's about. Dude sharing the message on a global level. That is cool as hell. South Africa. That, yep. that that's like seriously hitting all the aspects of, you know, addiction isn't just in our country. It's not just in Florida. It's not just in Jersey or whatever. Not at all. Uh, Ohio has been on my show more than any other state. Yeah, I heard and it's crazy over there. I, I found I find guests on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, and it's all random. If I see somebody's content that I like, I'm like, hey, you want to tell me your story or whatever? Like yours, you know, and your wife's. Mm -hmm. And it's funny, my wife sent me a video of Jamie, and because she always sends me recovery videos too. And I'm like, yeah, uh -huh. I'm talking to her tomorrow. She's like, are you really? Like, that yeah i'm interviewing her tomorrow she goes, oh my god that's so funny that i saw like her video and sent that, that to you that's awesome so that's the kind of thing right there that i like i like finding people that way i'm like oh i want to hear their story more i have questions for them you know i want to talk to them i want to find out about that shit oh so, yeah you know I, I don't care if you listen i don't care if you watch this is for me you know right. i'm gonna post it because people will get something 
you know, I ask questions like, do you have any siblings? Cause I want somebody to find a way to resonate with us right away. Right. You know how it is. You got to get them to resonate in, not resonate out. Bond and rapport, man. Yeah. Do you, like, you don't have to say, do you fellowship at all besides like, you know, outside still like, like you used to. You mean like hit meetings and yeah. programs and all that? Man, the 12 step, and I know you're super 12 step. I'm not knocking what you do, bro. I'm not super 12 step. I just, it worked for me. It worked for you. And it works for a whole bunch of people. And I want the listeners or the viewers to find what works for them and do it. And if it doesn't yeah. work for you, I want you to do less of it and yep. find something else that works better and work yeah. that more. So in Florida, I, by the time I left Florida, I had a super bad taste in my mouth from the 12 steps because I was, I really wasn't going to a bunch of different meetings. Like if you go to one meeting and you don't really vibe, you need to go to a different meeting and it's a little clickish. It's very toxic from what I've heard that it's a little Flor Florida fellowshipping can, can be kind dude. of toxic from what I heard. I heard there's a lot of selling in the bathrooms Oh, a lot of people dude. trying to take you out. Like it can be a really toxic environment down there from what I was we told. All, everybody's 13th step. And I have a video about that on YouTube. Make sure you check out what is the 13th step on YouTube. Um, I'll put it in the description because that's a big deal. Like we watch a documentary called 13th step on Tubi. Yeah. Um, and it's crazy. Like we don't even sign court cards here because of it. Yeah. So, I mean, like I came up to Georgia and the anonymous program is so much different. We submerse ourselves in the solution. It's not a listen to me, pal, in a finger pointing competition. Um, my biggest thing is I was in a meeting and I had a, I, it really wasn't a sponsor. It was like a sober accountability partner, which is a twisted word for a sponsor. Right. And I, we, we were talking about dreams or goals or whatever the message of the day was. And dude stopped the meeting. I told him, that I wanted to do all this stuff. And he goes, whoa, 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 Adam, you're dreaming too big. You're dreaming up here. You're going to land here. You're going to relapse. And I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, who the fuck is this dude to tell me that man? He don't know what I do inside. He don't know how hard I used to hustle in them streets before how hard I'm hustling. Now. You live in a van down by the river and I'm not knocking anybody that drives vans or anybody that lives down by the river. That's totally awesome. If that's what you want out of life. But I wanted more. So like he's straight just... up Matt Foley. <laughs> <laughs> he's straight up Matt fucking Foley. Like, <laughs> uh, so that's what this dude told me. So, dude, I just left. I had a real bad taste. I mean, dude, I walked inside. I did a bunch of um, I did a bunch of speaking. Um, I got a video I just released on YouTube. I forget what it's called. It's a 57 minute video or audio only of me inside a rehabilitation center. I go inside, I went inside the rehab centers for like 16 months in Florida, spoke every other Sunday. I, we still hit an, uh, an, a meeting occasionally, but it's more like what we're doing now. You know, um, we do it in church every Sunday. Um, I'm, I, I'm a firm follower of Jesus Christ now. I, I wasn't forever. I'm not telling you what to or to believe in. That's your choice. I'm just telling you what my choice has been. I've studied everything. And um, that's just where I'm at right now, personally. Um, no, but we yeah, don't I mean, we still Bill do Mary is sacrilegious. Uh -huh. I'm not trying to be sacrilegious with my higher power, but I had my friend paint me Bill Mary as Jesus because uh -huh. I wanted Bill Mary is my higher power. So uh -huh. I had her do me that commission for my studio because like, I was like, yo, make him as Jesus for me since he's my higher power. That's so funny. I hope you don't think I'm not being sacrilegious. It's just, no, you know, not at all, bro. My it's vision all, of it. Art, it's all good. Vision. Yeah. Some people, some people higher power is a bottle of smart water because they think it's really going to make them smarter. You know what I mean? Whatever, whatever you're into, 
There's go to right direction. There's group of drunks. There's you know the acronyms. You know what I mean. Whatever you want to call it. And and the cool thing is, like I did, like I had a bad taste in my mouth from um you know an anonymous program in Hershey, and to the point where I didn't want to go back and I drank again over it. And right. so when I quit, you know, drinking again, I got sober again. You know, this is where this place was born out of. Was I wanted a place that was more inclusive. I wanted a place where I could do cross talk. I right. wanted a place that I could like talk in the way I want to talk and have a meeting the way I want to have a meeting and accept the people that I want to accept and not just keep the door closed for certain people. Right. You know, and so or I started tell people what, they're doing it wrong. Yeah, exactly. That's that's why that's where this came out of, man. It was just yeah. me being tired of trying to follow everybody's rules. If COVID taught me anything, it's you don't have to work for anybody else. You don't have to do this for somebody else. Right. If you if you don't like something, just do it. If you want something, just make it happen. You know, so the podcast is something I always wanted because I love podcasts. So I just and I love radio talk shows made it happen. I just did it. I don't know how to do it. I just watch videos on how to do it and you learn how to do it. And then like somebody said to me recently, like, oh, your first episode's rough. I'm like, watch the first episode of anything. You know, I learned it. I as I go, they get better. You learn it as you go. You figure shit out. You get tricks and it gets easier. So, oh yeah. You think I could do sixty ep like forty episodes in forty days in the beginning? No, it took me a week to do an episode. South oh, Park yeah. does their first episode took them four months. And it's horrible. And now they can bang out episodes in six days and they're amazing. Right. You know, Yeah, I look back at my first episode and I just laugh. You know, I jumped off January <laughs> of 19. I got 350 videos on YouTube. I look at my first one and dude, whenever I'm having a bad day or the analytics or the numbers or the whatever, um, somebody um, complains to me because my whatever is a trigger. Um, I just watch my first video, you know, and I'm yeah. like, wow, dude. Yeah, I'm I'm by the, I haven't put I don't put trigger warnings on the episodes anymore. My show is a trigger warning like right. for real. Like in the description of my show, it says everything that has been talked about between sex addiction and meth, all this stuff, like just so you know, it could be mentioned at any point. And this is a reminder on the show once again that I'm not going to put trigger warnings on every single episode because every single episode is a trigger warning. If you like allow you it said, if, like you said, if you allow it to be, anything will be, you know, because I, I, that's why I, I started to in the beginning, the first couple I put trigger warnings on and I'm like, but everything's a trigger warning that that could have been a trigger. And then I'm fucking doing lists of triggers. I don't want to do that. I want to just write a description of what the fucking video is about. Yeah, man. Everything's a trigger warning, bro. The door handle on my car when I opened it up and a pill fell out back 10 years ago was a trigger warning. Like. And, and and the weird part is, is us in recovery, we are Sometimes so... I snort too hard and I tasted, I tasted a little, and that's a trigger. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're hopping up a loogie. That's a trigger warning, bro. You just got to drain from your snot hole. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, it just goes on and on. We're too judgmental in the recovery community. We need to stop being so damn judgmental of others. Point the finger at yourself. Don't point your finger at other people. And the irony is that, you know, as addicts, when we're in addiction, you know, we're so, oh, they're looking at me like this and they're looking at me like that. And and we're so caught up in everybody's judgments of us. And then we get sober and what do we fucking do? Judge Start others? Start judging everybody else. Because that's know, exactly what we thought was happening anyway. So, you know, but the people that work a program, you know, I've talked about this on my TikTok and somebody called me out on it. And they're like, I need more context. It's like, fuck off. Like saying um, about 
that I, I don't like when people are judging outwardly in meetings because that just tells me, I don't care if you have 30 years, that you're not working a program. Right. You know, because I know you said you're not a step guy, big step guy, but I know you know the steps. I know you oh, understand the steps because without you've read doubt. them and just based on talking. I yeah, know you man, know that. I worked on so, them. I did them. Yeah. So what I'm saying is if you have a fucking judgment, you got to put it on your four and then you right. got to do a five and talk to somebody. You don't you don't talk to that person, that newcomer or whatever about what your resentment is. That's not what you do. If you're an old timer, you got to know you keep your fucking mouth shut. You put on a four and do a five. That's right. it. It's it's a wrap. Slip will sink a ship, mm-hmm. and that ship won't be you with thirty years. It'll be that newcomer right. that's going to overdose on that fentanyl that's out there. Because to right. me, you're an old timer. You're the new age old timer to me. Because like you said, you pulled rabbits. Old timers right. don't know about pulling rabbits, bro. Nah. I talked that old timer I mentioned earlier. Him and I always talk about it. Thirty plus years, he doesn't know what it's like to look at your phone all day. Not he doesn't know that struggle of texting a million people to try to find shit and get things started, like you said. Right, right, hustling. He doesn't phone, know that game. So mm-hmm. to me, you're an old timer because you understand me more than that guy with 30 years because we did the same shit with the same drugs. Oh, yeah. He was shooting a completely different dope than you were. Oh, yeah. You know, and I'm not talking guitar versus, you know, whatever. I mean just the quality and to what it did to our minds because of what they were making them do. What they were – they Subjecting were chemically – yeah, no, no. Mm-hmm. What they were chemically changing these drugs to do to take over our minds over the years. Oh, Oxy-cotton yeah. cotton didn't even exist in the early 90s. Right. And that rewired so many brains. Oh, yeah. That's what led us to the to the 100,000-plus issues that we're having this year so far. Without a shadow of a doubt, man, because then everybody else started making Roxy Codone, those blues, those 30s, they're Oxys. They're Oxycontin. They're just a different brand. It's just a different, they're Oxys. You know, it doesn't matter. People always try to, oh, you didn't do real Oxys. No, I I don't like OCs because I was too impatient to peel them. I liked liked blues because I didn't have to peel anything. Right. You know, and you mentioned the OPs. I actually liked the OPs, only I used them as subs. I would only use the OPs as suboxone because I knew that it was time release. Right. So at least if I ate one, I'm good for eight hours. And then right. I can figure something out in the next eight hours. Right. So I didn't, time. Yeah, I didn't use OPs to get high. I used them as subs to get me by. Right. If that makes sense. Like, Total you know how sense. it is. You, you oh, know yeah. how it is, bro. Like, that struggle, dude, of keeping yourself from – that's all we were doing was keeping ourselves from withdrawing. Yeah. Is the come down. I was talking to my sponsee earlier. Him and I had a cigarette. You know, he couldn't make the AA. He's got his – he had a newborn now. His, his fifth kid and the only one he was he's around for because, you know, the other four, he was too much of a wreck on, methadone, on meth that uh-huh. he – not methadone, methamphetamines. Uh-huh. Um, and now he's got five months as of today. And cool, he hasn't man. had a drink since the, since, the day, since the day we met, July 4th. He hasn't had a drink. He got a Vivitrol shot, and he's fucking killing it. Most time Good. he's ever had. Like, when his kid was born, man, I was crying so much. I was so happy that he got to be there and, like, right. feel all those feelings for the first time of being a dad. You know, some and crazy feelings, feelings, too, man. Yeah. He's like, I ran out and I threw up. <laughs> and I was like, good for you, man. Yeah. So, you know, he had his kid this morning, but he lives, you know, right at the corner here. So... When I was walking by to walk, I walk here a bunch, a lot, usually if my wife's not coming because she can't walk with a cane. Um, so, like, I walk here when she's not here. And, yeah, I saw him out there smoking, so we had a couple of cigarettes. So that was my little brief meeting. 
right now here's my meeting meeting so right. you know it's those kind of interactions that i love man those newcomers that you you find ways to relate to them you know him and i bonded over our ages i never did meth i wasn't an upper guy i was a downer guy i did coke but i never did meth not one time my entire life you know i just never had a thing for it i watched breaking bad and it never did anything for me me neither so, i tried it once or twice and eh. You know, I, I didn't need to try it. I saw what it did. And I was like, I don't want that. I want to be down, not up. I don't want that, that mind thing. My mind already race as it is. But, you know, we related over being the same age, 31 and a half, you know, in recovery right. and finding it that way. And, you know, he uses cannabis in his recovery. And I went to a rehab called High Sobriety in L.A. that taught me how to change our relationship with cannabis. I don't smoke it. People wouldn't even know that I, you know, take the capsules if I didn't tell them. Because right. it's a, such a small dosage that it's not like I'm, oh, hey, bro. You know, it's not <laughs> my, you know, it, nothing changes. It's just, it's right. medicine. I don't think right. of it as anything but my blood pressure medicine. It's MAT, man. I take it with my blood pressure medicine. You yeah, know, man. it's literally just whatever. So, but he was more comfortable opening up and talking. And then, you know, I get vulnerable so that he can feel comfortable being vulnerable. It's a beautiful right. thing, dude. Like, I love, you know, giving it back what was given to us. Exactly. You know? Because somebody did it for us. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yep. And now you have your partner, too. You and your wife were both sober partners. And my wife and I were both sober. And, you know, it's it's a cool thing to have a partner that, you know, then the communication opens up in the relationship when, you know, you're two people that are sober and you put your stories out the way you do. My wife has a podcast and she's been on my show telling her story. So, like. You know, when you open yourselves up together like that, the communication is so fluid and it's so easy that the relationship, there's not much like speed bumps because you can communicate and talk through them so quickly. Yeah, we were sat, me and Jamie were actually talking about that last night. You know, um, some people like um, we have somebody that's, you know, dealing with addiction and um, he is the addict and she is not. And it's it's real difficult when one is like been through the trenches of addiction and one is like not at all you know what i mean so me and jamie were just we were speaking on that last night it's like it's really easy for our relationship because we can discuss mental health we can discuss trauma just everything you know what i mean it's it makes it makes it for for an easier conversation now is any yep. relationship perfect does any guy yeah. and girl get along all the time or guy and guy if you're into that whatever who am i to judge um, no, no relationship with your significant other, your spouse, your partner is going to be perfect. It's just, it's open communication, but yeah, being two addicts, but you also got to watch yourself though, too, man, because if our recovery don't come first, man, like I understand Jamie's my wife and, and, and everything else. But like, if I go out there and, 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 and fuck all this up, bro, it's over. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like recovery must come first um, and, and, because and everything and, else yeah. will come last. <clears throat> yep. And we've we've said that to each other because we weren't in active addiction together. Right. Right. We, just like you guys. Yeah. Just right. like you guys. We weren't in active addiction together. We did drink a little bit together, but it was when I had relapsed with drinking. I was so indoctrinated with AA that I was ever so always afraid of getting drunk. I never got I got that's why I got sober again is because I finally got drunk and woke up hungover. And I said, oh, shit, I don't want that. I can't Don't do this feel anymore. Like this ever. And it was leap day. I was like, this is a great sober date. So I quit and I haven't had a drink since. But like in that nine months, I didn't have any crazy moments of like getting DUIs. I wasn't over drinking. I was being really cautious 
because I was so indoctrinated with AA. And she, you know, was calming down her drinking then because of me. And they're like, oh, we got to do this and we'll, we'll be safe and we'll do it this way. Because I right. was, you know, and her dad's 30 plus years in the program, too. So she knows all about it. But, yeah, when we quit together, you know, it was a lot easier to talk about things. But we do know we have openly said, like, we can't go back because we would be way too toxic. Oh, yeah. In addiction together. If we were both like actively in addiction, alcoholism and using together, like it's somebody it's not might not make good. it out. It'd be no, so toxic. I, like, both I, of us I, might not make it out. I already know I'm not making it. I'm not making it out of an extra relapse. The way fentanyl nah, is me today, neither, bro. The way I did blues, I would get. Yeah, I would get the wrong one, and I would be hurting and not care, and right, I'd be and dead. It'd be a dirt sandwich for you, just like my brother Robbie. Yeah, the man. First one, man. First one out in my nose, I'll be dead. I already know it. Yep. That's what I tell myself to keep myself like, hey, you're gonna fucking die. You go out because it has to be that way. It has like to. You, like you said, we, you have to treat your recovery as hard as you're treated your addiction. If you ran all day long and you hustled all day long to get high, you got to run and hustle to stay sober too, man. Yeah, for sure. So sure. I, sure. yeah, I, I appreciate you coming on and taking some time this morning, man. Like Bro, I appreciate <laughs> you and I got so much in common, you know, like, yeah, man, part you know. two in 2022, buddy. Yeah, we'll definitely do it. If you want me to hop on yours, I'm definitely down. You know, I'm always in studio. Yeah, man. So. I'm down like we'll four flat tires. <laughs> we'll figure something out. Get me over those pictures and I'll add them to the video for the watchers. Will do, brother. So awesome, man. Have a great weekend. Yeah, you too, brother. All right, see ya. See ya.